the biggest wins, the quickest wins, those low-hanging fruit come from just making your business repeatable on what's already working. It doesn't have to be world-class, doesn't have to be the best. Like when you think of a lot of lean and Six Sigma, total quality management, a lot of these process improvement methodologies pre-assume in their name that you have a process to improve. But if you haven't yet captured the process, if you don't yet know what your baseline is, then you don't have a process to improve. We can improve and optimize and tweak. That can come further down the road. But step number one is process capture and making sure that baseline means something because everybody is following that process. Welcome to the More Clients, Less Effort podcast, where we provide expert insights and strategies to turbocharge your business growth. I'm your host, Tim Hyde, and in this series, we'll unpack the secrets, proven systems, and the sales and marketing strategies used by successful business owners to attract, convert, and keep A-class clients on autopilot. Whether you're a seasoned entrepreneur looking to scale your customer acquisition or a budding startup owner looking to crack the code on attracting the right clients, you've come to the right place. Join us on this journey to building a thriving business that leaves a lasting impact. Now let's get started. Hello and welcome back to another episode of More Clients, Less Effort. I am here with, I'm going to call you the doyen of systems in general, David Jennings. Dave, thanks for joining me today. An absolute pleasure. Thanks for having me, Tim. Now, if you don't know Dave, Dave is the author of Systemology, a fantastic and I think potentially seminal piece of work that should be the uh, sort of compulsory reading for all business owners. But in 2016, David successfully systemized himself out of his business, his first business, and one of Australia's most trusted digital agencies, MelbourneSEOServices.com. And through this process, he became a systems devotee, founding System Hub and Systemology. And today, his mission is to free all business owners worldwide from the daily operations of their business, right, to really move into that higher purpose, Dave. And so thanks again for joining me today. And I'm looking forward to our conversation. Yeah, let's do it. Mate, so tell me, okay, let's go back. Let's let's go back way, way, way back to the beginning of Melbourne SEO services. How did you discover a passion for business in the first place? I it came from my parents, actually. They were never really great with money. And I remember thinking to myself, I don't want to grow up like that when it comes to money. So it was almost like a moving away strategy. And I had over the years tried a variety of different businesses. And Melbourne SEO was probably the longest business that I operated in on. Um, but my dad also was a business owner himself. Like he kind of had always things on the side. So I kind of had that exposure into business. And then I saw business as the vehicle to achieve the outcomes that I wanted. Talk to me about what you just, you just mentioned. I don't want to do it like that. What were your parents? I mean, because I didn't come from a business family. My, my yeah. dad's an ag scientist and uh, and mum's a teacher. So I didn't have exposure yeah. to business, but you did. Talk to me, what were you saying that your dad, what you felt was doing wrong in business that you thought, well, I'm young and brash and I can do this way better? <laughs> Look, I think there's probably just some classic mistakes when you think about the visionary business owner, which was a lot of ideas and then really short on implementation and trying a lot of these ideas, but only going surface level deep. 
But then I realized much of the success comes from going deep on something and working through those initial challenges and hurdles and getting over the hump. And then you get the result. Whereas my dad had felt like he was kind of like opportunity hopping and kind of dabbled a bit in the multi-level marketing space and was on one opportunity, then was on the next opportunity. And seeing that firsthand, that was a big thing for me of yeah, you got to remain focused and you just got to do the work over a sustained period of time. Do you think that's that's a, a thing that I guess we as entrepreneurs suffer from, right? Because there's always a new thing and particularly in the marketing space, marketing is full of new. And that's yes. a, a challenge that we as business owners just generally struggle with, the, the yeah. new stuff, the ways like the next thing that comes along and this is the next get rich quick scheme. Yeah. Well, a lot of business owners, we want to see the result quite quickly. And it's actually one of the reasons why, and we'll talk a little bit more about systems and processes in a moment, I'm sure, but it's it's one of the reasons that systems and processes aren't seen as very sexy because it takes a long time before you really start to get the fruits of that work. Like there's compound interest at work here when it comes to your systems and processes. And business owners, they're used to doing something and seeing a very quick response, like running an AdWords campaign or a Facebook campaign and you turn on the ad, you start seeing traffic. And before you know it, people are filling out inquiries on your website. And it's that real quick response that business owners seek out. And there are so many things trying to grab our attention online, different ways to reach our audience, new ways to market and sell. And that really tends to draw the business owner in because that's also what they think will solve their problems. Oftentimes they think, oh, if I just had more leads, if I just had more clients, that will solve all of my problems. So that's where they focus. Yeah, I I, I agree with that. I was looking at something recently. I was actually having a conversation with some of the team over at at Keep recently. And and one of the things that they really sort of latch on as one of the core values is this idea of grit. Well, what is grit? Grit's the stuff that gets in your shoes. And I've heard Brene Brown talk about this as well in context of of kids, right? What what really defines success in any field of endeavor is this idea of grit. It's the kind of the constant refinement improvement towards a an endpoint, as you said, that that compound interest effect. And business is no different. If we chop and change all the time and try different strategies in our marketing, in our sales, in our business operations, right? And we change it every three seconds, A, we probably haven't given it long enough to see whether it actually works. But it doesn't give us the opportunity to kind of continue to work on and I know yeah you're, you've you've worked with the man Michael Gerber yes. previously and we'll get into that in a sec but this idea of kind of working on your system so that you continually refine and improve so that it delivers a more consistent outcome and yes. if we keep chopping and changing things all the time we don't it's almost luck or chance that we actually arrive at a goal yeah I do see that as the biggest challenge that small business has is this idea of repeatability. Small business is very dependent on key team members, whether it's the business owner or some of your best staff, and things can be done inconsistently. And that really eats away at the profitability and the success of businesses, just the lack of being able to deliver something consistently. So that's one of the reasons that kind of led me to the conclusion that business systems and the ability to develop those processes 
is the master skill of business and is because at the kind of base level, systems and process are the building blocks of business. And all we're talking about is capturing best practice and then making that transferable so that other team members can take over, so that you can delegate down tasks to less skilled team members to free up the higher skilled team members to work on their biggest, most valuable tasks. And that's really what it's about. And it can't not improve a business because it's just about building up these processes and that compound growth will kick in at one point in time. And then you'll see it and then you'll go, wow, now I've got exponential growth, which comes from those systems and processes. Yeah. When was the first time that you saw this in effect? And what was the kind of moment of realization to go, this makes sense? And I, I and actually seeing it in in practice in in Melbourne SEO or or some of the other ventures you worked on? It started, there are different insights at different points depending on where I was at in the growth. So in the digital agency, I remember one big was that systems improve creativity, not decrease creativity. And that happened when I had the video production business. And I remember going on a shoot with the videographer and we spent the entire trip driving to the shoot with him going, did we bring the extension cable? I hope I got the second battery. Oh, did I tell the client to wear plain colored shirts, not the checkered shirts, because they don't look very good on camera, like a whole bunch of stuff that just should have been taken care of. And in business, there is a whole bunch of stuff that just needs to happen from an administrative point of view. And that's what your systems and processes should take care of. So after that shoot, we put some like a pre-shoot checklist into place. So before he left the studio, he went through the 30-point checklist to make sure that he had charged the second battery and all of the lenses were in the case and we were all packed and ready to go. So that when we hopped in, it was about six months later, I went on a shoot with the same guy and the discussion we had in the car was worlds apart. He's talking about how to get the best performance from the actors and imagining what scenes he was going to capture and what music he was going to do. He created space for all of the creative stuff. That was actually one of the first moments is building this video business where I wasn't the practitioner. I'm not a video guy. I don't know how to shoot. I don't know how to do the edit. So I got to build that business without me in it from day dot. And then I got to watch all of these learnings from the outside looking in. I think that's what makes it most challenging for a lot of business owners. When you're in it, it's actually very hard to see what's going on because the only picture you have of your business working is a picture with you in it. So you keep building this business based on that picture because you haven't seen what it can look like without you. So that was definitely one of the very earliest moments where I said, oh, there is something here. But now I've had the good fortune to look into probably hundreds of business businesses personally with a lot of the work that I do, seeing the difference of different sizes of business, different stages, different levels of systemization, and, and there really is no comparison. And every great business that scales beyond the business owner has systems in it. Like there is actually no other way to do it. So that for me also was that moment of, well, if it's a rite of passage and you have to do it if you want to grow and scale something, like that's when it hit me that this is the master skill. 
Yeah, it, it kind of defines what a business actually is, isn't it? Right. And yeah. I, I yeah. have a visual in, in my mind that I, I sometimes share with my clients where I go, a business is just a box, right? It's a it's a black box that I mean, we put some inputs in and and one really important output comes out and, and that's profit for us. Now, if yes. we're in the box, the box is dark, it's grimy, there's lots of cogs and moving parts inside the box, we get a little bit chewed up. But what we ultimately want to do is we want to get out of the box and work on it and make sure that box is operating at its most efficient to produce the outcome that we want to produce from that box, which is the yes. lifestyle that we want our business to give. And I, the other sort of visual I have in my mind, I, I recently picked up Robert Kiyosaki's Rich Dad Poor Dad again and and because I wanted to show it to my son, who's 17 and sort of now, to, now starting to get into the, to the workforce and that sort of stuff. And I we've working on one of his his diagrams where he has says most people start with having a job, right? Yeah. And then we move from that to be a business owner and we call themselves business owner, but really we own a job. Yeah. Okay. And this is where most people start in business. But there's this big transition line between owning a job and owning a business that is yeah. really defined by how well we can systemize the delivery of outputs of that business. Yeah. I, I, I love your analogy at the start. And then with Kiyosaki, that bridge that we're talking about. I see that as the biggest problem for small business owners or startup business owners is making that step from going from I have a business where that's my job versus I have a business that I own and it runs whether I'm there or not. And it has been there since the dawn of time as a problem and it is probably one of the least well addressed areas of business. And I felt books like Built to Sell and The E-Myth and Traction and like there's a lot of work in there that they build the case for why systems. And I think business owners intuitively know that systems hold the answer, but always the bit that felt that was missing for me is the how to, where do I start? What systems first? How do I capture them? To what level of detail do I need to capture them? Like all of those questions are the the, the questions that we're seeking to answer. So two, two questions come to mind and I know, and I would encourage everyone to grab a copy of systemology because it, it does go into this in more detail. Two questions. Firstly, do you think it matters where you start or is it just a case of start anywhere and then do the next thing? And secondly, we talked about you and you mentioned you see this in businesses of all size sizes. Do you think it's a unique issue to smaller businesses or is systemization equally important to more established enterprises who might be seven, eight, potentially even nine figure businesses already? As far as the where to start question is or, or when to start just so i make sure like are you asking which systems should i put in first or yeah, well, where, where, would, where would you start was this does it matter do i need to put an operational system in or do i need to put a sales system in or a, yes. or a marketing system or a, do i just throw a dart and work with whatever comes up and then just yeah. get into the practice of doing something yeah if you've not done this before and you don't really see yourself as a systems person, I think focusing in on how the business makes money and mapping that linear journey, like who's your target audience? What is the primary product or service? How do you grab their attention? How do you handle that sales inquiry? How do you close the deal? How do you collect the money and onboard them and deliver? Like mapping that and then thinking where in that is the biggest pain, as in where are you the bottleneck? Or 
where are you thinking, I don't want more clients or leads because that just means I'm going to have more challenges here and and start there. Maybe it's onboarding. Maybe it's, I don't even know how I'd get more leads. Maybe it's, I wouldn't know how to close them because it's always just me. And so, so within that box of how does the business make money, then go, where is that pain? And typically starting there is a great way. Really great advice. Really great advice on that. But second question then was, does it, is it, matter what size you are. I just had a call this morning with one of our clients, Humane Society, and they are like a animal welfare protection agency in Colorado in the States. And they are like more than 300 staff and they're still in the process. Once you start systemizing and building up a systems culture, it just becomes a way of doing business. There's no real end point and you don't get off the track. Like that's just how we do things here. And you train up staff and you get their head around it. And they still at larger sizes still struggle with some of the challenges that small business owners have when it comes to systemization. The bigger you get, the harder it becomes to change culture because people get more set in their ways and they're used to doing things a certain way. So I always say the sooner you can start it, the better. And adding this DNA into your recruitment and onboarding and management processes of how you look after staff and getting them to think about system solutions and what that would look like, the better. Um, I always just say, though, I mean, you are where you are. Just get started. We know that this is a rite of passage and there is no way that systems can't improve your bottom line. Like they just make you more efficient. They reduce errors. They reduce staff turnover. They make your business more valuable. Like, I mean, that you were talking about earlier about when was the other, like, what is that moment? The other moment I had was when my CEO resigned and of the digital agency. And I'd been out of that business for over a year at that point in time. And at that point I was like, do I want to get sucked back into this business? It's like I'd fallen out of love with the digital agency work and the system hub side of things was taking off. Now, the vast majority of digital agencies that get the opportunity to exit, like not very many sell, like because it's built on the founder and they have all that knowledge and they are the business. I was given an opportunity because we'd systemized it, because it was owner, like it wasn't owner operated. I, I had it under management with Melissa running it. I got the opportunity to sell it. Mm. And that was another huge moment for me where I realized systems increase the optionality of what you can do and they will help give you more options when unexpected tragedies happen. Yeah. Well, I think that's a key point there, right? We, we do these systems because the value in a business, right, if it's ever sold, and so many businesses aren't sold, the value in a business is in its ability to produce an income for the yes. owner yep. of the business. Now, if they don't have to do anything to generate that income, it is worth more. Yep. If they have to do a lot for that income, it is worth a lot less. Yes. And so that's where, you're right, systems can become so important. But so much of it, and I think we have so much uncertainty in business, that the more we can increase predictability of outcome, yeah, the better off we are, the safer we feel. Because let's face it, being in business, the number of stories that both you and I have heard about, oh my God, it's a roller coaster. I never know what's happening one minute to the next. The more predictability we can create in the outcomes that that business produces, both from a customer acquisition standpoint, a customer retention standpoint, a delivery standpoint, a team member standpoint you talked about, 
the idea yeah. of retention of staff as well being a critical thing, the more likely we are to get control over this wild beast that we've decided to settle ourselves to. Yes. And the only way we can do that is by systemizing our process and continuing to work on and refine the systems as we see the output of what those systems create for us. Yes. And so I think a big lesson in this is that we don't have to get the system perfect the first time. We just have to start doing it. Yes. It's actually one of the core philosophies of systemology and something that makes it very different from everything that's come before it is that we capture what you're currently doing, not what you would like to be doing. Because the biggest wins, the quickest wins, those low-hanging fruit come from just making your business repeatable on what's already working. It doesn't have to be world-class, doesn't have to be the best. Like when you think of a lot of lean and Six Sigma, total quality management, a lot of these process improvement methodologies pre-assume in their name that you have a process to improve. But if you haven't yet captured the process, if you don't yet know what your baseline is, then you don't have a process to improve. So a big part of systemology is just to go, well, who handles the incoming inquiry well? Well, Sarah, she knows how to answer that call. She does it to a really great standard. She asks these 10 questions. And then if it's the fit, she passes it over to the sales team and she enters them into the CRM. Great. Sarah knows how to do that really well. Let's capture that. And then let's bring everybody up to that standard. And that is the new baseline. We can improve and optimize and tweak. That can come further down the road. But step number one is process capture and making sure that that baseline means something because everybody is following that process. So systemology is not process improvement, but first process capture. Well, then you're first, we're first optimizing one versus nothing. Yes. Yeah. Something as opposed to nothing. Dave, what are you in, in your business now? You're up to, to 22 staff in the systemology team, which is in, in such a sort of space of time is, a, is an amazing accomplishment. What is a system that you use in your business now that helps you with your sales and marketing approach? I mean, how do you, how do you grow that? What, what's, the, what's the system that you use that you can share with us? The most effective one I've got is one I actually wrote about in my first book called Authority Content. So that was the first book I wrote, but now we've made it infinitely more efficient with the use of AI. So we're big content marketers and we've developed a process where I can sit down and record a webinar. Then we have a process for the way that the team takes that, watches it, time codes it, chops it up to pieces, puts stingers on it, gets it uploaded to YouTube, creates a Google Doc where we have a series of prompts that we write titles and descriptions and social media content. And then that video gets syndicated out across multiple different platforms. It's emailed out to our database and it's a great organic traffic where people come in, they watch our content, they get pre-sold and some exposure to us before they even ever chat with us. And I love it because it's got great lifetime value. I'm creating content that then will exist and have value for years and years. And each little bit of content, whether it's a YouTube video or a blog post related to that one bit of content, they all send me a little bit of traffic and it all kind of adds up and it's this snowball effect. And with our understanding and thinking around systems, because we obviously systemize that to a great level, then augmenting that with AI, ChatGPT, Claude, and some of the other services that then enable us to 
basically do more with less. Within probably about the last six to nine months, we've probably tripled or quadrupled the output, increasing the quality at a lower cost with less team members. So it's been a real game changer for us and we've really dialed that process in. And that's that, that's a huge part of our, our content marketing and our way that we generate leads. Well, sounds it sounds like a pretty pretty cool thing to use, but that's one thing has really dominated the the conversation in twenty twenty three. And I think a lot of people don't really know how to use it. I use it. I think my team produced something the other day using AI, and I think they just said, make it sound Australian, and so like it was full of mates and crikeys. And yeah, it's funny with the AI. The biggest lesson that we've found is you and we talked about this just before we started hitting record you have to be careful as the business owner not to chase the shiny object the best way to use ai is to go what are we already currently doing and how can we use the ai to make us more efficient make a higher quality output at a lower price so for us it actually started off with we thought, what is a task that we know every business needs to be doing more of, but they very rarely find the time and business owners oftentimes don't normally like doing it. And then we thought processes and procedures, of course, we're a little bit biased here, but then we started using AI to help us develop our processes and procedures, taking Loom videos and getting the transcripts and feeding them into GPT and using that as a way to develop the first draft of systems and processes. But then that ended up bleeding into other things that we're already doing. My biggest piece of advice when it comes to AI for business owners is look at what you're currently doing and what you it's already part of your day-to-day and then think how can AI speed that up as opposed to I heard about this great new platform called Midjourney that can create me a fancy graphic and I can get it done for next to nothing just by emptying in this prompt here. And then you think, well, why would I do that? And how is that adding value to anything? Just just because it can be done doesn't mean it should be done. Uh, it, it really is about f- figuring out the essential elements of the work that you're doing and using AI to get that done. Well, I think you're coming back to what is my core business? Yeah. What is my process and mapping that operating system out first and then looking at what tools do I have available to me to optimize, systemize, and potentially automate that as appropriate. And then putting a business case to it. Some things you don't want to automate because it doesn't actually create any value. And I I, I know I talk to, to our clients about that when we're looking at automation, right? Just because I can automate it doesn't mean it necessarily should be. Yes, right? that's another. Because it might actually detract from my customer experience. Yeah, that's definitely another biggie. And I, I often think about the way that Google creates their systems and processes. The most probably they're a heavily systems driven business. Like, I mean, the whole idea of the search is it's an algorithm. So it is a system that trawls through things. And what do they do? They don't just jump straight to, oh yes, let's write a machine to do it. They come up with a hypothesis and they say, oh, we believe making these changes will improve the results by this. And then they get their quality guidelines together with humans that are reviewing the result and they roll it out and they review it. And it's not until it's reviewed and approved and yes, this is looking good that they then write it into the algorithm and the machine. And the takeaway here is you start off with human automation first. So that way you can ensure that you're getting the output that you want 
and that it's worthwhile and there's a real business case for why you would want to be doing that. And you do human automation first, which for me is what a lot of systems and processes are about. System and process is about figuring out, well, what do we want to get done? And then you're getting a human to execute it. And the automation piece comes last after you determine, yes, we want to do this. Yes, this is essential. And we do it quite often. Okay, well, let's now add in automation to make it more efficient because then we know instantly by making that change, that money drops straight to the bottom line because it's an essential part of business. And I I think that's one of the things I love about the work that you do, like when you're at that stage by putting that level of automation in, it just equals money into the bottom line for business owners. Yeah. And that's what the purpose is. We're there to make money. Let's do a quick fire, quick fire time. Yes. Let's Um, do it. In your opinion, what do you think is the most important personality trait or strength that someone needs to be a systems champion or a systemologist? I think persistence. You just have to be able to stick with something because all of the resistance for any sort of change happens up front. Team members will go, well, I've always done it this way. Why do I need to change? Or team members will have a little black box that they operate in and they don't want people to know what they're doing so that no one can really narrow in if they're efficient or not. So there's all of that resistance happens up front and all of the good stuff that you get as a result of systemizing your business happens further down the road, as I talked about with that compound effect that happens once you layer successful systems on top of each other, but you only ever experience experience that by persisting through long enough to get the result. What do you what do you think the keys to building a great team are? I think great leadership is a huge part of it. Like if you want to attract in A players, you need to be operating to a high enough level. It's kind of like that um I remember must have been Tony Robbins or something like that. They were talking about when you were looking for the perfect partner and you think about who the perfect partner is, but then think about well, what partner do you need to be? to be attractive to that perfect partner that you want to attract into your world. And then you need to start to be that person. And it's similar for building a great team. You have to think about, well, what type of person or leader as a business owner do you need to be to be able to attract those people in? Yeah. Awesome. We didn't touch on it too much, but I know you worked very closely with Michael Gerber for a while. What's the what's one lasting piece of advice from Michael that you hold really, really firmly to? One that sticks in my head was the one that he gave me straight after reading Systemology. He said, Dave, be careful. Don't let the business owner off the hook. Because when I first wrote Systemology, I made it really sound like the team will do everything and the business owner doesn't have to be doing any of this systems and processes stuff. You just got to get it and then you completely handball it. And he said, while the team can do the documentation and they can drive it, the business owner needs to lead and they need to not be above the law. They need to follow the system when they're in operating in the system. And the business owner still needs to go to school. You can't just let them off the hook. This is not something that that will do them a service. So that always stuck with me. Don't let the business owner off the hook. I, I love that. I think it's a, a thing. We think that just because we're exiting the business means we're, we don't want to abdicate responsibility. We can assign responsibility, but we don't want to abdicate yes. it. Yes, 100%.
Mate, through your work, this is a bit of a curly one because I haven't, I, I didn't pre-warn you of this. How's your dad changed his business as a result of the stuff that you've been doing? Yeah, no. Yeah, he has. And my dad's actually passed. So he, yeah, he's not, a lot of the lessons that he taught me has stuck with me. Another one I talk about in the book, because my, my dad was actually a systems engineer. So um, I, whether consciously or subconsciously, had systems programmed into me at a very young age. And he developed something called the sheet for my brother and I, which was the very first system that I remember seeing. And it was basically a way for my brother and I to earn points for doing different activities, things like making our bed and being good to our mum and doing the dishes and brushing our teeth (laughs) and all all the stuff that he wanted us to do. We could earn points for it. And then at the end of the week, he would tally all those points up and then there was a scoring legend and it would basically equal our pocket money. So those lessons are yet now just intertwined into my life and the way that we approach business. Classic. That's awesome. That's awesome. Um, Lastly, where do you turn when you feel stuck? I've got a few sort of People like that I like, like they're usually fellow business owners that have been on the journey typically longer than I have. And so I've just got a few colleagues that I've come across in my travels that we've connected with and that uh, just built up a great relationship with. And normally I'll connect with them and, and we just sort of bounce some ideas around. And it's good. It's a kind of like a bit of a, a two way street where same, same when they've got some challenges or they just want a sounding board. We kind of do that for each other. Yeah, that's awesome. Lastly, Dave, where can we find you online? Best place would be head to Amazon. If you haven't already, get yourself a copy of Systemology from there. If you're listening to this, you're probably an audio person. So there's also an Audible version. So head over to Audible for that. And then if you need help beyond that, just systemology.com. And you can find links to the YouTube channel and extra resources if you need a hand. Yeah, awesome. We'll put all those links in the show notes, Dave. Thanks so much for joining us today and sharing. Your wealth of knowledge, mate, has been absolutely awesome and appreciate appreciate all your expertise and all you do for business owners and helping us achieve greater than we could possibly achieve on our own. My pleasure. Thanks, Tim. Guys, thanks again for joining us on today's episode of More Clients, Less Effort. If you've enjoyed today's episode and don't want to miss another one, please click the three dots at the top of your phone, like, subscribe, follow, and share with someone you think that might get some value out of our conversation with Dave today and, and other episodes that we've recorded, and we'll catch you next time. Take care. Thank you for joining us on today's episode of More Clients, Less Effort. Join us next time for another insightful discussion filled with actionable advice and inspiring stories, all geared towards helping you grow and scale your business simply and easily. Remember to subscribe to the podcast on your favorite app so you never miss an episode. See you next time.